On this week's Jeep Talk Show, Jeep is going luxury. We'll give you more details on the upcoming Grand Wagoneer. And the Compass and Patriot are on their way out. We have the latest on what's taking their place. We're beeping things up in our Stock to Wheeler project. Nikki G pops the question to Tammy, and we've got a couple of must-haves for the back of your Jeep. We're definitely going tech-heavy this week, answering your voicemail questions live on the show. Tony's going to be talking temps, Tammy's talking powder coating, and I'm talking fuel gauges and misfires, all coming up on episode 236 of the Jeep Talk Show. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show. With Tammy on Wrangler. Tony and Josh on Cherokee. So sit back. Strap in. And brace yourself. First week in G. Well, doctor's orders. Take one part Jeep and ten parts luxury and call me in the morning. So, there's been plenty of buzz lately about Jeep's future lineup. Some models are leaving soon, while just a couple years on the horizon, and we'll have the return of yet another familiar name. Yes, I know, 2019 is a couple years away still, but that's when we're supposed to get the Jeep Wagoneer and Jeep, Wa- and Jeep Grand Wagoneer. I figure any info on these I can leak to you, I probably should. According to brand head Mike Manley, these two new upscale vehicles will push the premium boundaries of the brand. The two new nameplates will obviously be luxury vehicles with the Grand Wagoneer and even more upscale version of the Wagoneer. Both vehicles will share a platform with the next-generation Grand Cherokee, although early rumors have it that they may be stretched versions of these chassis. Now, we'll even see it'll seat 7 versus the Grand Cherokee's 5. Now, powertrains will likely mirror those of the Grand Cherokee, which itself is still nearly two years away from reaching showrooms. And But, you know, Jeep could also borrow engines from the upcoming Maserati Levante crossover because, as we know, Maserati is owned by FCA. While the Grand Wagoneer will retain some off-roading ability, Officials freely admit its increased size and weight will make it less ready for Moab than the brand's other trail-rated vehicles. But that's not the intended market now, is it? New Jeeps will take on likes of Range Rover and others. Even with strong sales of the Cadillac Escalade and Lincoln Navigator, those numbers can't beat the market potential for a super-lavish Jeep. A large, luxurious model such as the Wagoneer is expensive to develop. If segment growth slows for any reason, say a rise in gas prices, well, let's say the, re- the model's return might be short-lived. And speaking of new Jeeps, well, Jeep plans to reveal its replacement for the Compass and Patriot SUVs in Brazil this fall and plans to show the new vehicles for the first time in North America at the Los Angeles show in November. Yes, you heard right. We don't get it first. The Jeep that will replace the two long-standing compact SUVs has been anticipated for several years and is the next phase of Jeep's global growth plan to top $1.9 million in annual sales by 2018. Fiat Chrysler originally planned to reveal the vehicle at the New York Auto, uh, International Auto Show in March, but those plans were scrubbed, and I think I just might know why. Mike Manley told reporters last week, quote, There has been no delay in terms of our production cadence, but it's because it is a global vehicle. As I, and I got into the year, I felt it was more appropriate for us to celebrate that in Brazil. Brazil, huh? <laughs> yeah, you just felt it was more appropriate? Mike, buddy, come on. I think what you meant to say was, Jeep is planning on capitalizing on the 2016 Summer Olympics as much as humanly possible, so we're going to make a big deal about the upcoming launch of a new vehicle specifically designed for global sales, and we're going to do it in front of the largest captive global audience ever, the Olympics. Let's not spin what doesn't need to be spun, Mike. 
Jeep's global resurgence began several years ago with the overhaul of the Jeep Grand Cherokee and was followed by the return of the Cherokee in 2013 and has evolved as the automaker began building its compact renegade at plants in Italy, China, and Brazil last year. The Compass and Patriot debuted in 2006. Last year, Jeep sold 118,000 Patriots and well over 66,000 Compasses in the U.S., or about 21% of the brand's total sales in the U.S., Despite those big numbers, both SUVs are widely viewed as subpar vehicles. While they are capable enough of going off-road, they're outperformed when it comes to the rest of the Jeep lineup. Fiat Chrysler is planning to replace the Compass and Patriot with a single model, but has not announced the official name. Mike Manley recently said, however, in a recent press conference that, quote, the name has been decided. It will be called Compass or Patriot. Gee, Mike, thanks. <laughs> That's just swell. Awesome. They could call it the Compatriot. Ah. <laughs> hey, not bad, not bad. And uh, big thanks to all of you out there, except for Mike Manley, uh, who <laughs> continue to help us out each and every week by submitting stories for This Week in Jeep. If you guys have a response to any one of our stories or you have something you think we should be reporting on, send us an e email to info at jeeptalkshow.com. <laughs> Poor Mike Manley. <laughs> Got to pick on someone. Hey, now speaking of... Uh, in, Speaking of news, guys, we have a lot of great news for you. The Little Jeep Talk Show is in the top 20% on Libsyn. That's right. We are elitists. No, I'm just kidding. We are reaching over 12,000 downloads a month, guys. Those are big numbers. To keep up with all the growth, well, the Jeep Talk Show is looking for a social media manager. Well, more than one, actually. We need help keeping in touch with our growing Jeep family, which is exponentially growing by the week. Yeah, really we is. have multiple opportunities, guys. So if you'd like to be part of this fast-paced and growing podcast, we'd like to hear from you. Just email us at info at jeeptalkshow.com with a subject line, social media manager, and we will get back to you with all the details. Now, we have had a couple of uh, services reach out to us, and I thanked them uh, and said, uh, this is a volunteer position, and I never heard from them again. <laughs> <laughs> they were looking for some money. Uh, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. they were. Aren't we all? Aren't we all? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is... Uh, uh, you know, it's that we just kind of do this for fun and uh, there is no uh, real money uh, other than a, f a few dollars from Amazon. You bought what and uh, so on and so forth. So it really is just an opportunity for you to join the team and help out with the show and, uh, you know, just be yeah, a part, like, be a part of the show. I've been hearing the checks in the mail for like four years now. So I, yeah. I never understood it, but I always laughed when my old coworker said, yeah, the check's in your mouth. So I, uh. it just it does <laughs> sound funny. I don't know what it means. I mean, I kind of do, but. He never would explain it. He just laughed. What's up, guys? I'm Kobe. And I'm Jason. From Morgan Trail Off-Road. You're listening to Jeep Talk Show. You're listening to Jeep Talk Show. Jeep Talk Show. The number one Jeep podcast. At my mom's house. Jeep is off-road. Jeep is about the journey. Jeep has a great story, a story that I want to tell. I'm a voiceover talent, and I'm going off-road with a grassroots marketing campaign to voice for Jeep. Want to join me on the ride? I could sure use the company. Please tag Jeep. Post a link to kb4jeep.com. Add a message and use the hashtag MyJeepStory. Thanks, Jeep Talk Show, and your listeners for your support along this crazy journey. See you on the social media trail. Coming up on Wrangler Talk, hey, Cody, there's nothing wrong with eating a little dirt. <laughs> oh, no. That's a throwdown. <laughs> I like he's, mud pies. <laughs> he's, he started it. He always does. <laughs> 
but and he'll throw, uh, and I'm sure he'll throw the baby in there and his work and uh, all this. And, and, he, and he knows how to work on AC units. He'll throw all that stuff out there. Uh, as, oh, good. Uh, I need him over here. Yeah. Because it's seriously, it's like 90 degrees in my studio tonight. It's ridiculous. You need a window unit in there that you can just turn on whenever it's showtime during the summertime. Yeah, it's it's the humidity right now. We're we're like at ninety percent humidity, oh, and it's just oh my goodness, gee whiz. Well, you know, talking about what's all hot and sweaty, let's talk about the Jeep Talk Show. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. So, if you're watching this on excited. YouTube and you want, uh, we want you to know that the Jeep Talk Show is also available in audio only format. And that sounds like a step backwards, but if you think about it, it makes it great to listen to while commuting or while working on your Jeep. You can subscribe to us via iTunes, TuneIn, or Stitcher and never miss an episode. Hey, speaking of subscribing, you can now subscribe with your money. Oh, you say finally. I'm sure. <laughs> yes, you can contribute directly to the show via PayPal. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the orange button that says subscribe. You can select 25 cents a week up to $1. Your account will be charged weekly. Pay attention to that, folks. I don't want any, any surprises like, why is it charging me 25 cents a week? The idea there is it's a subscription, and we do a show usually once a week. So we're charging you once a week if you agree. You don't have to pay us. We're just asking you if you want to subscribe and help support the show and maybe find some upcoming projects where uh, Josh and Tammy get to go places and uh, report from on the scene and give you more interesting information uh, that uh, you know make, make the show a little bigger. Uh, think about uh, subscribing financially. You can, uh, by the way, you can cancel that subscription at any time. Uh, even if you don't subscribe, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to our show. So we haven't had a Wrangler Extreme uh, segment here for uh, a number of uh, weeks. Uh, we've just had been putting up with uh, Tammy's nonchalant wheeling. Putting up with. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you were talking about being on a black trail recently, uh, weren't you, Tammy, after you got your yep, lift? I was. Yep. So, I was on blue and black. So uh, you're actually going to be meeting up with Nate, I think, this coming weekend. So you maybe you yep, can uh, all goes well. Maybe you can uh, exchange extreme notes uh, when you're out there. And, yep. and, and I don't want to hear anything about you making him eat dirt, okay? Oh. <laughs> so I want you two to behave. Anyway, well, let's- We have to be nice to each other? Yes. No fighting? Well, at least for reporting on the show. I don't care what okay. happens as long as we can report it uh, right. well on the show. No pictures or police reports, please. All right, let's get over to uh, Nate where he's going to tell us about uh, Coal Mountain Jeep Jamboree and uh, his volunteering there. Hey, everybody. This is Nate from SWBCrawler.com, an off-road enthusiast site dedicated to the Jeep Wrangler platform. Lately, I've been in a uh, sort of share-your-knowledge kind of mood. Um, it's what prompted me to try my hand at podcasting in the first place, and that led me to start contributing here at the Jeep Talk Show. So with that in mind, uh, this past weekend, I volunteered at the Coal Mountain Jeep Jamboree. This jamboree was, uh, was brought to the Coal Township area of Pennsylvania as part of a deal that the Jeep Jamboree USA made with the county when the AOAA, that is the Anthracite Off-Road Adventure Area, was formed. The idea was to, uh, to bring some money into the local economy. The AOAA is an off-road park that was formed on uh, some old coal mining land in, uh, in the Coal Township region. Coal Township is right outside of Shemokin, which is near Elysburg, which is actually near the uh, Knobles Grove Amusement Park. That's about the only identifying uh, 
uh, attraction that you might find in the area. So a friend of mine is a local of the area, and he's been doing this for years. The uh, the Jeep Jamboree at at the AOAA has been around for about five years. This was the, the fifth year. Uh, they actually have two events uh, this summer. I think previously they've only had one event. A friend of mine, Scott, has been doing this for years and is actually the, uh, the trail lead for their uh, green route on their west property. Uh, the last time we were out wheeling together, I mentioned to him that I'd like to get involved and volunteer for the Jeep Jamboree, and uh, he checked in on it, and they were happy to have uh, an extra set of hands. I ended up acting as co-pilot and trail guide for the group that Scott leads, which is the Green West Property Route. I rode with him and acted as spotter for many of the challenging trails that the inexperienced jeepers we were leading may have, fat, may have had trouble with. I had a great time, and I had the opportunity to help guide a number of inexperienced jeepers through some obstacles that the experienced wheeler might find pretty easy, but to, to some of the participants, they probably seemed like hardcore black trails. Lots of stock and mildly modified vehicles with inexperienced off-roaders behind the wheel. The weekend went pretty well. Uh, no major catastrophes. A few scraped fender flares and uh, probably a couple of extra dings and some belly pans. Uh, we did have one interesting event where uh, an old CJ7 with a pretty experienced driver behind the wheel um, one of his uh, spring hangers actually rusted off the frame. It was already weak when he got there, and uh, the abuse that it took on the trail was just enough to, to break it free. So we had to have a pretty uh, uh, creative fix to get him back off the trail. Lots of ratchet straps and toe straps. It was uh, pretty interesting. In all, uh, a really great weekend, and uh, I'll definitely be volunteering again next year. So, for now, that's uh, this has been Nate from SWBCrawler.com. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and even Google+. Just search out SWB Crawler. Thanks for listening. Well, that sounded like a, a lot of fun, and uh, I can imagine yeah. it's pretty cool going out there and uh, pushing people around. I mean, volunteering and helping people out. <laughs> Get out of my and way. Actually, I'll show the, you how it's done, The place Jane. where he was talking about is where I'm going this weekend. Ah, I will oh, cool. not be going to Roush Creek. Yeah, and he said... He said this weekend, uh, or this past weekend, but that actually was uh, submitted back in May, I believe. So it was a few weekends ago, you know, a month right. and a half or two months ago. So, Well, uh, I'm sure the place is still there. <laughs> yeah. Well, <that's> <laughs> I hope so. I went by going, oh, I was out there last weekend. I didn't see the uh, Wrangler Extreme guy. Yeah, see the so. gigantic coal mine that used to be there in the mountain. <laughs> now in a, a big sinkhole. That's what scares me because at Roush Creek, they have these sinkholes everywhere because it, it's built on an old coal mine. So oh, you're driving, wow. you're like, please, God, don't like create a sinkhole right now in front of me. How does it go? Uh, bury me in my Jeep because uh, it's never been able to, it's never left me in a hole I couldn't climb out of. There yeah. we go. <laughs> I like that one. So there, like that. you can, you can do it that way. Wood. Whenever you climb out of that, uh, that hole, that sinkhole that opens up around you, Tammy, that's what you got to say. Write that on your hand every time you go wheeling out there. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a YouTube now moment. Now I'm going to freak myself out. <laughs> well, something you guys shouldn't be going wheeling without would be the 4x4 radio network. Oh, wait Adam. a minute. I think we got a thing for that. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 radio network podcast. Good God, that's loud. Yeah, yes. you are listening to a 4x4 radio network podcast. In fact, the Jeep Talk Show is a proud member of the 4x4 radio network. 
you like guys would like to learn more about what that is and what it's all about, well, just visit the 4x4radionetwork.com website, which is 4x4radionetwork.com, and learn more about the 4x4 podcast, Center Steer podcast, Money Microphone, and Trail Chasers podcast. It's your one-stop shop for everything that's off-road radio related. Shut up and listen. Shut up. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut up. Shut up, Shane. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler Talk. It's time for G-Mama. Tony and Josh, I was catching up this past weekend listening to the TrailChasers.net podcast with Cody. And, you know, Cody's on our show every once in a while talking about his Jeep. Um, So anyway, the Trail Chasers, Trail Chasers Net net podcast is all about our Jeep community. Cody talks to people in the off-road community in our social networks about their Jeep stories and adventures. So I finally got to listen to his interview with Dan Cole from the 4x4 podcast, which is also part of the 4x4 radio network. Um, and I really enjoyed their conversation um, Cody and uh, Dan were having. But Cody, sorry, I have to say my piece here. You kind of... Th- threw it down on your podcast. So, and any little dig at my beloved Jeep, I'm going to have to speak out. So, first there was an interesting part regarding the Renegade. They were discussing the Renegade, and I did not know that Cody was enamored with the Renegade. And he was actually really looking forward to renting one when he was on vacation in Hawaii. But instead, they gave him a Wrangler. And I would have been like, yes, all right, but he was actually looking to rent the Renegade, and he sounded a little disappointed when he got the Wrangler. Cody, 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 how can one not be excited to drive a JKU? Then Cody and Dan were talking about all the Jeep Easter eggs in the Wrangler and the Renegade, like we have the little Jeep grill and the cup holders, They're up on the windshield, and you see Jeep stuff everywhere. So in their Jeeps, unfortunately, they don't have all these cool little things, and they made it sound like their Jeeps are better than mine because they don't need these little Easter eggs. Nope, Cody, your Jeep is not better than mine because of the lack of Easter eggs. Mine is cooler than yours because I have these Easter eggs. Oh, and Cody, you know... You can still have a JKU now that you're old and have kids. My goodness, I'm quite a bit older than you, and I have one. And I can even wheel in my enclosed Jeep. Plus, I get to wheel in a topless Jeep. And the JKUs do have a pretty kick-butt air system, hot and cold. And getting dust in your face and dirt in your teeth is still fun when you're older. I think you appreciate it just a little bit more. Anyway, folks, if you want to know what all that was about, go over to trailchasers.net and listen to the interview with Dan Cole from the 4x4 podcast. You'll get what I'm talking about. Plus, you know, it's really a great conversation that they have, honestly, and some great insight from both two experienced Jeepers about the Renegade. And I think in his podcast, Cody says it perfectly when he talks about we all have Jeeps, whether it's a Wrangler or a Cherokee or, or a Renegade, not one is better than the other because they all fit the different needs we have. And we need to support each other and not put anyone down, unless it's in fun, about any one Jeep. 
because each jeeper has different needs and it's okay. And not one is better than the other one. Well, okay, one is definitely better. And that's the Rubicon, hands down, gotta say. Tony and Josh. <laughs> oh, by the way, if you want to follow my Jeep adventures, check out my blog at www.jeepmama.com. And I love to hear from you. You guys can email me here at the Jeep Talk Show on info at jeeptalkshow.com and use the subject line Wrangler Talk. You know, I certainly don't begrudge anybody for liking whatever vehicle they like, uh, even if they're wrong. Uh, right. <laughs> but the uh, the thing that gets me is uh, I, I haven't priced any of these vehicles because I'm not in the market for uh, a new vehicle or a new Jeep. But it seems like I saw uh, some YouTube video or something where they were talking about the base price of the Renegade being like thirty four thousand dollars. No, no, it's it's MSRP on those is right about eighteen. That's that's the mean. You could probably. You probably find them for under that as base model trim, and uh, you know uh, I, the Trailhawk. You. you know, even that is probably going to be around twenty three to twenty six. I'm thirty. I'm no. telling you, there was a four thousand dollar price difference, and and the thing that I read or I saw on YouTube, there was like a four thousand dollar price difference between the the Renegade and the Wrangler. So I huh. was thinking to myself, how in God's green earth? Would you not justify spending another four four K to buy a real Jeep? <laughs> That's for you, Cody. <laughs> and then they were talking about if they had um, fifty thousand dollars and you know buying a you know a Rubicon and lifting it all you know tricking it all out. And Dan was like, "Well, I'd actually buy ten Cherokees for that." <laughs> Thank you. Shame on you. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean, for for $50,000, you could buy a bunch of Cherokees and, and really modify the hell out of them. Uh, you know, so there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting a, a ready-made uh, Jeep uh, like Tammy did, but Tammy's even found that she's got to do a lot of work to it. Uh, just, I, know, know. I bet you mine's, with all the stuff that I've done on it, it's probably up there about 50. Yeah, but yes, that wasn't where you started, though. And, uh, no. you know, and I got to, I got to say hats off to you, Tammy, for taking a, a brand new, not paid for yet vehicle off road, because besides it, bodily harm, you have to worry about, I'm still paying for this thing. I hadn't even made one payment and I took it off roading before I even made my first payment. That's Was that awesome. stupid? Yeah. No, no. That's, that's the way to do it. It's just very hard. I, I would find it personally very difficult to do. I find it personally very difficult just to take mine off-road because I don't want anything to happen to it. I, it's like a member of the family. I've had it since yeah. it was brand new, you know? So, uh, no, it's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. I think it a, makes a big di- difference whenever you, uh, uh, you put a lot of work and effort into it as well. Uh, it, it makes it oh, more yeah. valuable. A sentimental value. Yeah, well, you put your time and uh, sweat into it, and you don't want something happening to it. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? What are you talking about, man? Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show? I got no idea what the heck. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Get out of my face, yo. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Underwater. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? In the bubble bath. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? No clue. And where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? While flexing on stumps. Where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? I would assume on the radio. The Jeep Talk Show, available on iTunes and at JeepTalkShow.com. 
glad that's him on the radio as well. Hey, where do you listen to the Jeep Talk Show at? We'd like to hear from you. Uh, we'd like to mix another one of those little great promos. So uh, please call in 530-675-4102 and let us know where you listen to the Jeep Talk Show. Hey, now, folks, something we all look forward to each and every week, hearing from the mind of Nikki G. All right, Tammy, pay close attention. I am. This I'm, is this I'm is scared. addressed specifically to you. I'm nervous. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, I got a question that uh, maybe Tammy's probably most qualified to help me with. Uh, I got one of those bras to put on the front of the Jeep. <laughs> and I don't know if I got the wrong kind or if I did it wrong or what, but... Uh, it is not offering any lift or support at all. <laughs> and I'm worried that the underwire might scratch the paint. So if you could uh, recommend a brand or a type, I'd appreciate it. And the uh, second problem is, like most men, I can't figure out how to get the dang thing off now. <laughs> all right. I will chat to you guys later. And uh, you have a good one. Bye. Now, Tammy, I will say I don't mind you giving him help on the first part of that message. But how to get the bra off, I, I do not want him. I don't want him knowing this. Right. I'm not going to give him <laughs> that not, little secret. Do not share that information. <laughs> he needs to, the wire needs to be padded. And uh, then it's not going to uh, scratch. Excellent. Excellent tip. That will be, uh, <laughs> be great to know. So you guys buying bras for your cars or your Jeeps. You Make now, sure the wire is padded. You now know. All right, well, let's move on over to uh, Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good, because I can... It's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Well, our first question comes in from Rob the Tune Man. Sasquatch Artworks, if you can drive it, I can draw it, he says. Goes on to say, quick question for you guys. On my 90 Wrangler, I'm trying to do some stuff to it before I start driving it. One of my stumps that I'm facing is that my gas gauge is always registers full. I know the tank doesn't have a full gas tank of gas, and your esteemed opinion is at the gauge or the sending unit. Thanks. Well, Rob, most likely you have a bad ground problem. On the on the YJs especially, they are really, really, really finicky on, on that ground, especially um, on the back side of the dash, on the connections on the back of the uh, the instrument cluster, but also down uh, by the, uh, the door switch um, just inside the A-pillar right there. There should be um, a little nut right there that has several grounds coming to it. Uh, check that really well. Oftentimes, those will get corroded, and uh, and you'll not get a good ground there. But also, actually down by the tank itself. Now, uh, the tank itself gets its ground through the ground strap, or through the uh, the, the straps of the tank, uh, the ones that you know kind of loop up and kind of hang it from the frame, as it were. Um, you want to check the ground connection. You know, make sure those aren't all completely rusted through. Try even running a ground directly to the sending unit itself or to, to the tank. Uh, make sure it's getting you know a good ground itself. Um, I mean, that's a good place to start. Typically, I mean, ninety nine percent of the time when the tank or when the gauge just reads you know full blown full, uh, that's a bad ground. If it reads completely empty and it won't budge, well, that's a bad voltage problem. Uh, and so that's the other side of the of the wiring. Um, the other problem that you might want to, um, to take a look at is, uh, is of course the, the plastic baffle that's inside of the YJ tanks. There's a small, 
it, it just it, it's like six inch tall walls, four inch tall walls. It's this little plastic cup, basically, that the floating the, the uh, pickup sits in. And what this is designed to do is is if you are low on gas and going up a hill or down a hill or on an incline or you know something like that, um, the the position of the Jeep isn't going to make you run out of fuel quite as fast. Those over time can tend to get warped after being submerged in gasoline for so long. That plastic tends to degrade a little bit, and well, it can actually catch the float and prevent the float from operating normally. Um, best thing to do probably would be to pull the tank down, check that sending unit, maybe just refresh a lot of the connections and uh, and do a reinstallation, and that should take care of it. Um, if that's not it, it could just be that you have a bad sending unit. I highly doubt that it's the gauge itself. Well, I hope that helps, Rob. Um, report back and uh, let us know if that's helped you out at all. As Scott C. says, hey, I have a tech question for you guys. I have a 97 XJ with a 4 liter, and I have a cylinder 1 misfire for quite a while. Not bad, but when I hook it up to a computer, it has a slight miss. So all I, did, I did all necessary te tests, leak down, compression, etc. Everything checked out okay. Next, I tried swapping injectors. Still, same issue. Cylinder 1 misfire. So I did a full tune-up. New plugs, wire, cap, rotor, fuel filter... And still the same outcome. So next I thought a valve spring maybe might be weak. I have read on forums this can happen with the 97. So I just went ahead and got the whole head remanufactured. New head gasket, put it all back together, ran fine for three days. And now check engine light came back on for a cylinder one misfire. Also check all wire connections for splits or shorts. And that's all good. Only thing I have not done is CPS, O2 sensors and fuel pump. Would you have any suggestions? P.S. I love the show. Well, I would definitely check the fuel pressure at the rail there, Scott. Uh, make sure you should have roughly about 49 PSI, give or take five. If you're anything below 44 or above you know, 54, well, then you're, you're probably having some issues, uh, especially on the low side. Uh, typically, if you have a stubborn misfire in just one cylinder and it doesn't bounce around from one cylinder to another, and if you've already isolated the problem by swapping injectors and related parts, then the problem is likely elsewhere. The more common issues that would give you these kinds of problems is going to be vacuum related. Ultimately, um, possibly O2 or possibly sensor related uh, could be the O2 sensor or possibly even the throttle position sensor. Now, both should be tested. Uh, how do you test an O2 sensor? Well, you need a scope that can graph the pulse wave of of the injectors and make sure that you know they're doing what they're supposed to. Um, the O2 sensor is going to have a similar pulse wave. And you can't do that with just, you know, a code reader. You need to have something with, like an oscilloscope or, or something that can do that kind of graphing. Uh, and an analog multimeter to test the throttle position sensor. The reason why I say an analog is because you need that needle sweep. What you're going to do is you're going to be testing that throttle position sensor and its voltage change, resistance change, across the sweep as if you're pressing that gas pedal down and letting it go back up. If there's a dead spot or the needle gets all jerky or doesn't respond, well, then you know you've got some issues with that throttle position sensor. Not saying that is the issue, but I'm saying that's definitely one of the things that you want to test before you start throwing parts at, at everything. Also, you want to take a look at it, make sure you don't have any vacuum leaks. That's really the number one problem for a cylinder one misfire. You got to do a thorough inspection of all the vacuum lines. Even one freight in can cause a lot of grief. So, you know, really look over all the vacuum lines. And I know you just had a lot of work done, a lot of fresh gaskets and stuff, but that's not to say that, you know, something didn't quite line up perfectly or that a gasket didn't get damaged before the installation, something like that. Um, using the starter fluid trick, go around the gaskets and stuff while the engine's running, uh, the hoses and whatnot. Um, you can hear a change in RPMs. Then you know you have a leak somewhere as the vacuum system has pulled that, that you know, highly flammable starter fluid into the combustion system and you'll hear the RPM change. Um, so, uh, you know, chances are it's not your crank position sensor. 
Um, if your CPS is bad, chances are you're just it, it's it's going to be bad or it's not bad. You're going to have no spark and you have no fuel pressure. Um, so don't throw money at a CPS if it's not that. Chances are it's not that. But that's not to say that the CPS is not giving you bad information because the flywheel is cracked. These do happen over time. The flywheels get stressed. They can have small cracks in them. It can cause oscillations in the in the in, the, in that plate, and it can actually throw off the reading of the CPS. So. Um, do yourself a favor, get underneath the Jeep, remove that inspection cover, and check out your flywheel, making a really close look at, at where the center bolts are, uh, where it mounts. Uh, that's typically where you'll see the, the larger stress cracks and, and fractures and stuff. So um, that's, that's about it. I mean, the only other thing I would say maybe would be, uh, you know, check the CPS for debris on the magnet. It, it is a magnetic Hall effect sensor, so... Um, they can get a little bit of, you know, grime and gunk and, you know, stuff on them over time, remove it, clean it, throw it back on while you're doing that visual inspection of the flywheel should be good to go after that. Hoping so. Anyways, Jeepers, if you guys have a tech question that you would like answered here on the Jeep Talk Show, just shoot me an email to info at jeeptalkshow.com with a subject line, Tech Talk. Oh, and there is a position sensor in the distributor as well. Um, I had that go oh, out on the camshaft yeah, position sensor. Had that go out on the ninety nine, and it did throw a code and uh, told me that that was what the problem was. But uh, you have uh, you have two pieces of equipment there for timing, and this sounds like a timing issue. Oh, I didn't think about it. But I guess he could have a a, a timing chain issue. Um, yeah, it would be unlikely. He would be having a lot more than a cylinder one misfire with that, and it would be consistent. It wouldn't be intermittent if that if that was the case. I, uh, one th- one other thing, Scott, real quick is uh, the code reader that you're using. Make sure that it has the ability to read subcodes. Um, if all you're getting is like you know a P zero three three one or whatever it is uh, for the cylinder one misfire, chances are there could be subcodes underneath that that could tell you closer to what you know is actually causing that. Uh, so it, only the higher end code readers have that. So might want to take it to a shop. Yeah. I was going to say, you're talking about like a five grand snap on uh, reader at that point. Yeah. Um, so the, the other thing that, uh, that I was thinking was, uh, it can be, con- Oh, uh, the heat soak issue that you can have with, uh, with the, where the injectors get hot, which normally occurs on the 2000, 2001s. But that generally is like, th- like three that's, or four. It's kind of towards the middle. Yeah, three or four, sometimes six. But I've never heard it on one, yeah. at least like this. But I thought, so, I, but I thought I'd throw, throw that out there just in case. Uh, I think sometimes, uh, or the factory fit was like a little piece of aluminum foil or something around the injector. Yeah, these little heat shields that yeah. went around the, uh, the spark plugs, the injectors uh, and stuff, and basically isolated the, uh, the heat from the head to soak through that area. Yeah, do it carefully, but you might even try doing that. Put a little piece of aluminum underneath uh, the injector and see if perhaps that's causing an issue. You replace like the Reynolds injector. Like Reynolds wrap? Yeah, you replace the injector. Uh, so I wouldn't think that you know that would be the case, but boy, you've done an awful lot of work. And I'll disagree with Josh on the CPS. If you've gone through the trouble of the head remanufacture and all the rest of that crap, throw a CPS in there. <laughs> if it doesn't fix it, then you have a CPS that you have in the back. So if when the that one fails, you have a replacement. It does do a lot of the timing. So, I mean, what the hell? Anyway, uh, great uh, uh, little tech talk segment there. And we appreciate your, you. Uh, you guys sending in the uh, the questions for, for Josh to answer. And, and great answer there, Josh. Thank you very much. Hey guys, you know, we love hearing from all of you, so you can call our voicemail at 530-675-4102 if you have questions or comments, or you can jump over to our website at jeeptalkshow.com, 
Leave us a message there. Just click on the leave voicemail button on the right-hand side of the screen. Hey, this is Tony. And I'm Tammy. And this is Josh. And you've reached our 24-7 voicemail line. You guys know what to do. So at the beep, leave your message. Hi, guys. This is Joe. I haven't talked to you guys for a while. I hope everybody's doing great. Uh, But I have one more question uh, this week about my daughter's WJ 2002 Grand Cherokee. And uh, I was driving it a little bit, you know, just to check up on it. Uh, you know, she had a little death wobble, you know, but it was, uh, you know, tie rod in, got that fixed. Uh, and it's also got a rear wheel bearing and I'm going to get that fixed pretty soon. But, um, when I was driving, you know, it uses quite a bit of oil, you know, but it leaks some and I think it burns a little, but just every once in a while I was driving through town and I just stopped at an intersection and I noticed that uh, there was this massive cloud behind me. And I'm not sure why a cloud was following me at the intersection, but it seems to be produced from the back of my Jeep. And surprisingly enough, it's not always there. So it happened for about five or six stoplights through town, and then it quit. And I didn't notice any oil usage massive difference uh, prior or after that. Uh, but for some reason, just every once in a while, it sporadically literally leaves a cloud of smoke. Like, I could, I don't see the cars behind me cloud of smoke. But I just don't wanted your uh, opinions on that. So I hope you guys are doing great. Take care. Bye. Well, hey, Joe, um, I've got a couple ideas on that. Uh, I mean, th- this is one of those ones where it could be so many different things. Mm-hmm. I would say your your best bet is to start with a visual inspection. I, I can't stress. I know I, those words come out of my mouth an awful <laughs> lot, but you'd be surprised with a flashlight and just a few minutes of diligence what you can find just by looking for it. Well, you have um, to know what, now, you're, that, what you're... You have to have some clues as to what it possibly could be. Well, true. I mean, if you see a wet spot on the engine, well, the wetness is supposed to be on the inside, not on the outside. So that would be a good telltale sign. A lot of grime and gr- gunk and, and buildup of sludge and stuff on the outside of the engine on, in one particular area... Um, you know, again, that's a good telltale sign that you have a leak externally, at least. Um, that's not to say that this can't be an internal problem, too. Um, it could be uh, something like, um, you know, one of the uh, the what is those the uh, CC, C, uh, PVC valves, PVC, PVC valves. Um, uh, you know, that's not allowing the the pressure to release out of the out of the valve cover. Um, uh, it could be valve cover gasket leaking down onto the uh, to the manifold. It could be that you have a ring that's starting to go out in one of the com- one of the cylinders. A compression test would definitely also tell you um, a lot about what the internals are doing in the engine. Yeah, that uh, if you get blow by, which is when the ring's not sealing properly, then uh, it actually uh, pressurizes the uh, the crankcase and that uh, bubbles up into the valve cover area, and then it actually can uh, push out oil out over. And I don't know if he said or not, but if this is a 4.0, uh, there's the, the, the crossover pipe from the, the header goes right under the back of the engine. So mm-hmm. any oil coming off the back of the engine can flow down on top of that pipe. And depending on how hot that pipe is, you, you can get a lot of smoke. Now, Joe actually says he can't see the vehicles behind him. So I'm thinking this would be fun. You, you could actually put a, a, a spy hunter. <laughs> you could actually put a, a sticker on there that says mosquito mosquito blah, mosquito sprayer. 
would be yeah. <laughs> the old-fashioned ones where they would drive down the street. Hey, the one other thing like I'm cloud. thinking of, if, he, if he's not really <laughs> noticing a, a loss in oil or anything like that, it could be something else. Uh, back when I did a service on my, uh, tra- or my transfer case many years ago, I didn't get the seal, the rear output seal on right, and it, oh, it leaked no. out the back end of the transfer case. And that created quite the smoke show, especially at stoplights. So, um, yeah, again, climbing underneath the Jeep, looking for things. Maybe even take a video, post it up, um, and ask the Jeep community for help. Uh, without seeing what's going on, it's really hard to, to help you out over the phone or at least, you know, over the podcast in yeah, this particular but we can, issue. but we can give you things to look at. Also, too, uh, if you look up underneath there and you see some oil and you're not sure if it's from recent or from past, get you some brake cleaner. Uh, shield your eyes and wear some clothes that you don't mind getting all nasty mm, and yeah. uh, just uh, hose that thing down with a brake cleaner. Clean it up, in, in other words. Get get the oil off of there and then drive it around a little bit and then see where that oil uh, reappears. So let's get over to Ron, who I, I think is a first-time caller. Hey, this is Ron in Tennessee. Okay, here's a question. I have a 2008 JKU Sahara. I recently switched from the stock 255-70R18 tires to 275-65R18 tires because it's easier to find tires in that size. The new tires are about three-quarters of an inch wider also. I had to use wheel spacers, actually five-to-five adapters, to keep the new tires from rubbing the anti-sway bar at full lock. I still have my stock spare tire in the stock rear door tire carrier. Eventually, I'm sure I'll replace the spare with the new tire size as well. I'd like to know, without actually testing it, (laughs) if the new tire size will fit okay in the stock spare tire carrier, or will it be too wide? So, any ideas, or do I need to plan on installing a different tire carrier? Now, Tammy, do you have 17 or 18-inch wheels on your uh, JKU? I have 17-inch wheels, and I'm thinking his will fit yeah we're talking about eight tenths of an inch difference here. yeah mm-hmm. there's i mean, I mean it, it is I mean, literally I'm, less than an inch yeah i have a different now that's you know, width I have as well swinging tire carrier now and a different um bumper but it it should it, it should fit i did a little research uh on uh, on google uh about this because uh, obviously i don't have a jku and I think the main concern over uh, hanging a tire off of the stock uh, tire carrier that comes it's on weight. the JKU is the weight. Yeah, and it it, it should be fine. Because so, even they said it can handle the 35s. Yeah. Well, I, I saw a mixture of things. And one of the things that I wanted to share with Ron here is I don't think you're going to have any problem putting uh, the, the that tire uh, uh, that you want to put on there for the spare. I think uh, what you may want to look at doing is using some bump stops, which we traditionally think about uh, limiting body movement. But in this case, uh, Daystar apparently has some some bump stops that you can use to help keep the tire from moving around. Like if you're off-road or I would think even uh, uh, driving down the highway for long durations could cause that, uh, that tire, depending on size, weight, and balance, for it to vibrate. Uh, I, I did read that the JK and JKU uh, metal on those uh, doors is not the thickest. You know, they they were doing all kinds of things right. to save weight. So anything you can do to keep that tire from moving around uh, is going to uh, make the hinges and the mounting of that uh, that uh, I don't know, the tire carrier thing uh, stay uh, on there that much longer. 
So look at and this I know, and bump stops. And I know some another Jeeper put some extra support inside the door. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Um, yeah, just a larger a larger uh, pinch plate is, mm-hmm. is what right. you know, what happens there. And, and there's yeah, there's some aftermarket solutions there. Really right. easy to fab something up yourself. Um, but and, you know, everything that I know, a 33 is the largest you can put on the back um, of of a G of a, a TJ or a JK for that matter. Um, with the stock mount, uh, you might run into an issue depending on the width or the the tread. Really, with the third brake light outside of that, right? That's I, what I was going to say. Yep. So I think one of those uh, one of the, one or two of those uh, solutions should help you out. I don't like again. I don't think you're having a problem putting that tire nah. on there. Uh, you probably could do that and drive it from now until the the cows come home and you'd be just fine. But uh, you know, we want to give you a little bit more information than than probably what you actually need. What puzzled me though was he didn't he say the anti did he he was oh, saying oh yeah I was going to mention that no, he he was That's just saying wheel that, the, that full lock the wider tires um, were rubbing his his uh, his sway bars right and yeah that's right. that's something that that can happen that's a backspace on your wheels if you right. if but you get he, some different the wheels the Sahara doesn't have unless he put them on aftermarket anti sway bar no all vehicles have sway bars yeah they all have sway bars on the front. But didn't he? I must have misunderstood what he was saying. No, I, I was thinking he had the disconnects. I don't think I heard disconnects. Oh, okay. It was anti sway bar, is what I remember. Yeah. So, okay. uh, but if uh, and and Ron, Ron, if you're still listening there, uh, just uh, uh, you can if you're looking at any reason to buy something <laughs> for your cheat, it's like it's it's this is a great excuse to get an aftermarket uh, bumper with well they carrier. told me to on the cheap talk show <laughs> honey i have to the voices told me to do this and uh, the other thing while you're getting that uh that bump that rear bumper get you some uh, wheels with the proper backspacing and then you won't have to worry about uh those uh, those spacers although i don't know if the, if i understood your adapter you were adapting those to a different uh uh, he was just saying five to five just because, you know, he wasn't going like from a five to an eight, you know, or okay. anything like okay. that. So, all right. Well, good. So anyway, uh, get you some uh, uh, proper wheels with uh, proper backspacing and and you can get rid of those adapters, which people run, but I just don't like them. I would much prefer I ran them not for years. To, yeah. I'm glad I switched to uh, a wheel with the right backspacing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, I just think it's easier on the wheel bearings, et cetera, et cetera. And I just, uh, I don't like that uh, additional torque out there, especially on an off-road vehicle. Well, speaking of off-road vehicles, let's do our Jeep Cherokee from stock to wheeler. Tonight, we're going to switch back to armor, protecting our rig from the dangers of off-road fun. Keep in mind that what protects you off-road can also protect you when uh, when, uh, mankind or Mother Nature causes problems. It could uh, wind up being a lifesaver. The lowest part of your Jeep, besides the tires and wheels, is the differential. In uh, fact, we lift our Jeeps to get that diff higher above the ground with larger tires. The factory stamped metal uh, doesn't do very well when it hits a rock or debris. It can puncture or bend out of shape, and that lets lubricant that is keeping the ring and pinion cool out on the ground. And, of course, people like Josh will bitch at you for dumping oil all over the trail as well. (laughs) Dang right. (laughs) There are many aftermarket options for a heavy-duty diff cover, uh, personally, I've chosen the Rough Country diff covers for my Dana 30 and Chrysler 8.25. Yes, front and rear. Uh, yes, both front and rear. And you would think that the front is going to be uh, more in more danger of uh, running over things. But don't forget, there's usually a lip on that rear diff cover that can also catch a rock and pull away from the diff uh, housing. And, of course, 
lose the lubricant. The uh, Rough Country uh, diff covers are 3 8 inch bent steel uh, and welded with a half inch mounting ring that will hold it tight to the differential housing. So where did that go wrong, Josh, Tammy? Uh, I, I, Tammy just recently got some diff covers, so she can't think I'm wrong. No. Yeah, the actually, only thing I will... Go ahead, Tammy. No, no, no. I was going to say, actually, you also need to worry about if the diff cover is like just a little bit lower. Because you get that lip, and that's why I replaced mine, because you hit a rock just right, it's going to pull it right off. Yeah, I was going to say that uh, it's not the ring that holds the diff cover to, uh, tight to the uh, to the differential. It's the the mounting hardware. And the further that you place that head away from the mounting surface, the more shear force that you're um, uh, putting on onto that hardware. And even if it's grade eight, um, the farther you put that head away from the mounting surface, the weaker of a connection that that is. On the uh, Dana thirty diff cover, it's actually countersunk. I don't know why that option wasn't available on the Chrysler 8.25, but uh, those uh, actually went with countersunk uh, uh, bolt holes. So huh. uh, good. Uh, I, I just thought it would be a, a ni- nice thing to have uh, so those bolt heads weren't exposed to you know, yeah. anything. But uh, like you say, it's it's closer to the mounting uh, of the uh, the diff cover itself. And I, you know, and you always find the weak point uh, in things when you make modifications. And you well, can, that and you I'm, can a, go I'm with an internal a, pessimist. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you you can go with a tank, uh, you know, something that's made for a tank, and it's not going to get damaged. But something else further down the line may get damaged. I mean, you could you right. literally you could break the the diff housing itself, and the cover be just fine. So, <laughs> you know, you're always you're always searching for the weakest link. So, Tammy, you the the diff covers that you got, uh, what uh, what brand is that, and? Uh, I got Riddler's, and it's cast iron, mm-hmm. where they poured them in a cast. The thing that, um, actually, I brought them to the shop today, and um, they sh- they sh- suggested I sand them down or grind them down before I um, powder-coated them. And as we were looking at the, the bolt holes, um, and I'm actually going to replace the ones, the bolts they gave me with a different, uh, a better grade, mm-hmm. but... I don't know how I'm going to get the ratchet in there because there's like just a super, super thin area where, you know, it's not going to fit all the way on because the way it's bent. Does that make sense? Hmm. Where I, when I put the bolt into the hole, I don't know. I'd have to show you. to Oh, um, because they might have given you hardware that was like a socket head cap screw. Uh, where you'd stick an Allen inside of it, or were you talking about uh, going to hardware that has, you know, like like a like a nut and bolt type of hardware? Well, that's what it. No, it. Well, I stick. I'm supposed to stick the. I'm not even going to make that action there. <laughs> <laughs> but the kids I, get to t- learn I something. I know. I know. <laughs> so the the head of the bolt, you know, you put the ratchet on it. The socket, you know, yeah. Tight the socket mm-hmm. to, to tighten it in. But with the way the diff cover is, you know, molded or cast or whatever, right? That socket is not going to fit. Well, oh, I, I you think know they what? said I need a thinner. Yeah, they make thin sockets and they also make thin long wall. sockets. Yeah, thin so wall for sockets. the wall, right? right. So thin I think I'm going to have to go find that or get a different kind of. And they also make longer sockets too. And it sounds like that might be what you're looking for. I think I need a thinner wall socket. Right. And actually, uh, I'm sure that the, the fine folks over there at, uh, was it Riddler? Riddlin? Riddlin? I actually, I got it from, um, 
It's Riddler. Riddler. So yeah. I, I bet you the fine folks over there at Riddler have had this issue and know exactly what, what you need. Uh, and they'll and tell sure you. I'm sure YouTube video how to install your Riddler diff covers. Yeah, but if, you, but if you call them, you can say, hey, I'm Tammy. You may know me from shows like the Jeep Talk Show. Talk Show. <laughs> or blogs right. like Jeep Mama. <laughs> so yeah, you, you don't want to miss an opportunity. So anyway, guys, where did that go wrong? Let me know or uh, add to what I've said. Just email me at info at jeeptalkshow.com and uh, with the subject line of Stock Wheeler. Uh, and uh, we'll love to hear from you on the show and may even read your comments on the show. All right. Well, we're moving her over here to our must-have for your Jeep. M- must-have stuff for your Jeep. Josh, you yeah, got something for uh, us? We have a long list of things that we oftentimes say that should go in your Jeep, in your OS bag, in your recovery bag, whatever. And I always thought that a good set of work gloves is an absolute mandatory thing mm-hmm. to have in the back of any Jeep, whether it be for uh, doing a trailside tire swap um, or actually doing some recovery and whatnot to protect your hands from uh, things like you know cable um, or just you know the the rocks and grit and everything else that you find on the trail. Um, the ones that I found that I like uh, made some really good high quality leather are the Rugged Ridge Leather Recovery Gloves. Now these things are only seven ninety nine for a pair and they will last you a lifetime. Uh, they have some of the highest quality leather that you can get for gloves. Uh, they do protect your hands during winching no matter what that cable is doing and they have a comfortable interior. I, I will recommend that just the regular textile gloves is something that you want to stay away from. Definitely go with something like a calfskin or a good leather glove uh, for, your, for your trail gloves. Uh, they will save your hands, trust me. And uh, calfskin, that's a name brand, right? They don't use actually actual calves for that? Um, I cannot <laughs> confirm nor deny. And and I got some great news. Josh said seven ninety nine. It's actually six ninety nine. So it's been a. It's Did I dropped. say seven ninety nine? I was thinking seven dollars and reading six ninety nine. It's, it's so, yeah. dropped yeah. a dollar just in a few seconds. Of this is the magic of the Jeep Talk Show. We <laughs> saved you a dollar. <laughs> Tammy, uh, you got my, something for us? Yes, this this Tony I picked out just for you. Ah. Um, their inner air condition vent outlet covers, trim fit for the Wrangler. They're in red. Um, you can buy brand new ones already painted. Fits for you know 2011 to 2016 JKs and JKUs. They're made by materials by ABS. They include four pieces for the four different vents. And you just attach them with adhesive tape. Or what I like to do is I just removed. And the ones on, you can get it at um, Amazon. But first go to jeeptalkshow.com slash Amazon. Anyway, um, they don't have the little Jeep logo inside them, but you just put them over the older ones. But what I like to do is remove the ones I had, spray paint them um, in a much better color than red. Um, something maybe like bright red, pur- purple, bright red. Um, he says, <laughs> no, 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 no. Anyway, so if you want to, you know, do a simple, quick, easy, and you like red. Um, that's what I would do. Everybody likes red. That's better than red. Bright red. There's there's just deniers. (laughs) It's, it's like, uh, the, the color, the, the bacon of colors. So everybody loves bacon. (laughs) All right, well, let's get over to some campfire side chat and see what these knuckleheads have. Heidi ho there neighbors. Heidi ho. Hello. (laughs) Greetings and salutations. I see we all have our Jeeps running. I don't like to brag, but... Working. (laughs) 
Well, guys, over the weekend, uh, I was going to go uh, elbow deep into my transfer case. Um, I, with the holiday weekend and everything, I was taking some vacation. It, it just didn't happen. Uh, yeah, shocking, right? Uh, no, I was. Uh, it's just, that's called the Tonyism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a holiday weekend. Come on, I didn't want to get that that crazy. But it was but five that's not days. To say, five that's not days. to say I didn't do any work on my Jeep, though. Right. So. Uh, you guys might remember about a year ago or so, it's uh, Tammy got a set of mud flaps in from uh, GRD Products uh, for review. And uh, they weren't quite up to par for her, so she sent them off to me. Well, in the process of shipping, uh, one of the brackets ended up going missing. Uh, so uh, it was one of those things that was kind of low on the priority list, and I didn't really get around to it for, for a while. Um, and it was over this weekend that I was looking for some smaller projects to occupy some of my time with, um, and I picked this project back up. So... Um, I sourced some uh, some steel, got some rod, got some uh, eighth inch plate, made my own bracket, uh, and got that uh, got that all put on on the Jeep. Welded up the brackets to the bumper, and I uh, found a good place for them, and uh, and it looks actually pretty good. So uh, just and one I more was thing on really the list. impressed with your it, it, little modification. Oh, thank you. It looks really good, but I'm just very anti mud flap. Uh, you guys well, don't have a mud thing, flap Tony, law, do you? I am I am too. I didn't do this for looks. I did this for law because right. if you're going to go say. up in Washington, if you're going to go up in Washington State and you're going to be driving on the road, your Jeep needs to have mud flaps. It yeah. is required by law. I thought they had to uh, go by the the laws of the state that you came from. No, that's not true. It is the state that you're in. You have to follow the laws of the state that you're in, not where you come from. But traveling, I mean, if you're living in there in that state, uh, I understand, but. It's like, uh, well, like, well, there is, there is no, there is no speed limit on some roads in Montana, but just because you're in Texas and from Montana doesn't mean that you can disobey the speed limit. No, I understand that. But, uh, here for an example, there, they have strict, uh, more strict emin- uh, emission laws in California, but mm-hmm. you can drive your vehicle from Texas to California. But if you register it in California, then you have but, to abide and, and, by those laws. And that's my argument as far as uh, being a resident of that state. Otherwise, uh, you could trap people going through that state. And absolutely. They're, they're, I'm, and I'm sure that there are officers that do that. And I'm sure that if we put the call out there, we'd have a lot of people telling us stories well, of those kinds of incidents. You guys let us know. I, I mean, I, I tend to believe what Josh is saying, but uh, I, it seems like I've read or maybe you I've, fool. Just, <laughs> I've, just, I've, just, I've just I've just liked <laughs> to believe that, you know, because it could be a concern. I mean, you can be traveling from one state where it's perfectly legal to have your, your rig built the way it is. And then you go into another state and get pulled over. I mean, there's a lot of potential harassment that I think people worry about anyway when they're from a different state traveling to another state, especially well, sure. if you're coming from Texas. Now, Vancouver for me is literally like a 20 minute drive. So I'm, and I have friends that are in in uh, in, in Vancouver, Washington, which is just right across the river from me. So uh, it, it is, I'm, I'm up there all the time. Now I'm not up there all the time with the Jeep, but when I am, I want to make sure that I'm not, you know, giving Johnny Law the, you know, any right. given reason to pull me over. Exactly. All right, Tammy, well, we've already alluded to, to uh, your diff covers. You got any more uh, a hot diff cover uh, talk? Well, um, I'm going to, we have a powder coater at the office I work at, and he's actually on vacation nice. this week, but I'm going to be taking them to get powder coated. And so I was showing one of the guys at work um, the diff covers, which I had in the Jeep, and he's like, you know, since you're going to bring them there, you should add, you know, a bunch of other stuff to the mix. So Sprinkles. he said, you should do my tail light covers. Oh, I should get those there painted purple. So I don't know. Do I don't know if that would look stupid or. Well, you can so always I was paint them black a, afterwards if it doesn't quite go true. right for you. That's true. Yeah. 
Um, I would get anything then, uh, anything I, out that was, uh, you know, uh, have new set uh, of lug nuts. That, well, I, I was just thinking the whole wheel. You know, that might be a good time to do the wheels too. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to. There's a little handle on the hood of the Jeep Wrangler, and that's apparently for when you put your windshield down. It um, it rests on it, I think. That's what it's for. But it's like a little grab handle right in the center of the, the hood. I, I'm going to try to buy a new one, and I'm going to get that one painted purple. So when you see all my videos, you see the little purple handle, so you'll know for sure it's that's Tammy's. Have you, oh, I'm pretty videos. sure there will be no doubt anyway. <laughs> Have you looked into uh, dyeing the top? Because you could dye that, that top purple. Ah. Uh. I think you should write to Best Top and have them make one custom just for you. That, yeah. I think that would be a great uh, Jeep talk show story. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let me tell you guys, summertime's here, and uh, I got to talk about some uh, Jeep running hot issues on the highway. Oh, jeez. Oh, really? <laughs> Tammy was like, oh, my God, no. Here Josh we go is, again. Josh is like, oh. Really? Josh is excited. I'm this like, is, this is so new and interesting. <laughs> We've never heard this topic before from you. 96 degree air temperatures driving okay. down Interstate 10 in okay. the Houston area and yeah. 70 miles, freeway speeds, 70 miles per hour. All right. 206 degrees. That's fine. That holy fine. fine. Say, holy it's cat. not, it's not fine. It's excellent. Because it's oh. it's less than two hundred and ten degrees. Yes, that's, no, that's it. That, that's good. That, that's, that, that, that's good. It's, it's working. Uh, Tammy, for for your information, <laughs> on the four liter engines, anything over two hundred and thirty degrees, you're risking warping the head. Um, okay. You're going to be running into problems at that point. You're definitely reaching into the overheating realm at that point. So, uh, and anything over that, you might as well just start cooking engine components. So, um, that's two hundred six is really that that two hundred two hundred five is the sweet spot. Uh, anything over 210, you kind of start to get worried. 215, okay, I might want to pull over. 230, I'm doing damage to the engine. So, How do you um, know what number it is? Uh, it I mean, it's, uh, comes with experience, knowledge. Um, I'm sure that if you talk to a master Jeep tech that they will have some numbers for the JK. I'm sure that uh, I can have some of those numbers for you by the next episode. I just, I know oh, the no, no, no. What like I mean the back of my hand, like so that's why I know those numbers off the top of my head. Like, no, like you're driving down the road, and how do you know it's at 206? So I'm oh. glad you asked that question. Uh, a, uh, a fellow Jeeper and XGTalk.com member way down in the great, straight, great state of Australia uh, told me about a little unit, uh, TM1, I think is what it was. is an Australian-made sensor uh, that uh, allows you to uh, take a uh, – it's like a thermistor that is attached to a little eyelet, and you can literally put the bolt – through that eyelet and it will tell you the temperature of the metal that that's underneath that bolt and i ran and so so this thing can be used on your transfer case it could be used on your block engine block it could be used anywhere that has a bolt that you can attach this thing to it so it's a separate unit and uh, i ran it to the thermostat housing on my jeep so I wasn't trusting what the factory sensor and gauge was telling me. I had been fighting uh, heat issues. You guys probably don't remember, but I used to talk a lot about running hot on the highway uh, right. on my, for my Jeep. So uh, but because uh, Carbs uh, from XJTalk.com actually recommended this thing to me, I uh, spent 100 bucks, got it, and then I had a separate measuring device that was able to tell me directly from 
the, the block of the engine from the thermostat housing what the temperature was. So it's a digital display, and it tells me what the temp is. Now, I can compare that to what the Jeep is telling me on the gauge, but I've found that the sensors, you can, you can buy five different sensors, and they will all read different readings. So how do you know what, if you have a problem or not? So I'm, t I'm telling you it says 206 from this additional separate from the Jeep system measuring device. I know, Tammy, on the JKs, they don't have numbers. Uh, and, and so you just have like a, a cold and a hot and temperature gauge that right. swings and, and a little red mark. And you're supposed to be pretty much right in the halfway mark. Well, the, the, the stock JK thermostat is a 180 degree thermostat. That means it mm -hmm. opens when the water temperature reaches 180 degrees. So your temperature shouldn't climb much more above that. Um, so your average running temperature, normal running temperature when you're at temp is probably going to be right about 200 degrees. Yeah. So... But if you want to know uh, expect exactly what it is, you can always buy one of these little devices. I think they have a TM1 through TM6 and uh, or 5. Uh, the, I know the upper model actually allows you to have multiple sensors so you can uh, be uh, you can you can be the uh, the Scotty of your Starship, uh, the Starship Jeep and uh, be measuring all these different places on your on your Jeep, which would be and they, kind of fun. There is a, a variety of gauge clusters that you can get that you can slap onto your A-pillar. Um, that's the pillar that goes from, you know, the corner of your dash up the side of the windshield. You know, you can get something to go in there that will give you a digital or a different kind of a, a temperature readout if you'd like. It's aftermarket. I can't um, tell you what the reliability of that is, but it will, like Tony said, probably get you in the ballpark at least. I'll tell you what, it's a damn sight better than what Jeep put in there, at least in my Jeep. That just pissed me off. I spent a lot well, of I time. I want to see numbers. You know, another thing you could probably do would be the Torque app um, and yeah. a Bluetooth dongle, um, and that you can get the real-time engine telemetry probably with numbers. Yeah, and yeah, you can. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, it's just going to tell you the same thing the sensor is telling the, the computer. So if, if it's wrong, <laughs> you still got bad information. Yeah, why, Jay, Nate? Just wrote in the chat room. I'm sure the JK just blinks a light at you, and I was like, you know, it probably does. <laughs> See, it pr he's probably he's, even he blinks. wants to get you in trouble, Tammy. Yeah. Don't yeah. let him get you in trouble because he's trying to wind well, you, you up for the meeting. Yeah, but you know, it probably does because, and it even could blink words at you because my rear tail light went out, and the reason I knew this was wasn't because someone told me, "Hey, your tail lights out." It was because my Jeep kept dinging every time I got in. I'm like, what the heck? And then I look down at my digital display and it says, your rear tail light has failed. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. So I, I replace it. And you know what's You know what's funny? sad? I, that it's huh? actually, you know what's sad? That it's an incandescent light bulb that can fail and not an LED light, bulb, light that would never fail, at well, least for the lifetime of your Jeep. <laughs> somebody said I should get a LED tail lights. But what's weird is the one and only thing that failed on my Sahara is the one and only thing that has failed on my Rubicon, and that has been that rear taillight, the exact same one. Huh. I, I just find that kind of odd. Well, you probably make the mistake of using your taillights to signal lane changes and stuff, and that well, wears okay. them out. <laughs> somebody, somebody suggested I, I didn't. I used, because I said maybe I used too much blinker fluid, and they're like, oh, you used blinker fluid? You're supposed to use headlight fluid. Oh, See, this just confuses me. And there's a muffler bearing in there somewhere. Oh, I know. Right next to the Henway. 
Don't well, do it, Well, the muffler bearing is probably why that guy has smoke coming out of his Jeep. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Go. I didn't even yep. think of that. It certainly could be. <laughs> Excellent work there. Nicely done, Tammy. Nicely done. <laughs> Speaking of nicely done, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about wheeling where. Yeah, this is where we're going to talk about what events are coming up in your neck of the woods and around the nation. Uh, the JCR Open House. You guys know about JCR. They got some really cool Jeep gear. Uh, all going down July 23rd at JCR, of course. Uh, for more information, head to jcroffroad.com. Jeepers Jamboree, guys. The next one's coming up July 23rd through the 26th in Georgetown, California. For more information, jeepersjamboree.com. If you guys don't know what a Jeeper Jamboree is, oh my goodness, you are in for a treat. <laughs> Make sure you guys check out that website, and you will definitely be impressed. Also, in Tammy's neck of the woods, uh, the PA Jeep Club presents 21st All-Breeds Jeep Show, uh, happening July 16th through the 17th. That's just around the corner in York, Pennsylvania. For more information, head to pajeeps.org. Hey, and if you're going there, shoot me an email at info at jeeptalkshow.com, because I might stop by. And there we go. So don't forget to go over to iTunes and subscribe. We've been getting reports of some iTunes users having delays in getting the show. And now YouTube email users, uh, <laughs> that their email notifications are showing up for sometimes days after their friends receive theirs. Unfortunately, we don't have control over that uh, like we do over our own transfer cases. But for iTunes listeners out there, if you want to get the very latest episodes of the Jeep Talk Show and get first dibs on the bonus content, uh, the moment it's released, then you need to subscribe. Did I mention you need to subscribe? Well, that's it. Uh, hit the subscribe button and you'll never miss out the latest content from the Jeep Talk Show. That's right. We can use all the subscriptions we can get from our YouTube channel, guys. If you don't know about it, we are, we are broadcasting live every Thursday at 10 p.m. Central over at YouTube.com slash Jeep Talk Show. Tell a friend about it and make sure you hit that subscribe button. Cookie. <laughs> and please join the Jeep Talk Show team. We're looking for a volunteer or volunteers to manage our vast social media presence on the web. You can be the Jeep Talk Show's social media voice. Send an email to info at Jeep Talk Show to find out more. And hey, guys, if you guys are in a Jeep club, well, make sure you guys let us know. We're looking to give you a shout out. If you'd like to have your Jeep club uh, shout out here on the show, well, let us know. Drop us a line to info at jeeptalkshow.com. There's a minimum number, right? You need 27 and a half members average. Yeah, 22.3. <laughs> Got to have at least one midget. There is. Oh, love the midgets. So there is actually no limit on this. If it's just you and your Uncle Bob or Uncle Buck. Is it Uncle Buck? I think it's Uncle Buck. Uh, it, that's fine. If you if you're thinking about, you had a dream that you're going to start a Jeep club. That's well, good let enough. Us know. That's good <laughs> enough. Just let us know. <laughs> well, that's it for this week, guys. Wherever you are wheeling, if you pack it in, make sure you pack it out. Let's leave our outdoor recreation spots in as good, if not better, condition than they were when we arrived. Remember to always tread lightly, stay on designated trails, and don't wheel where you're not supposed to. Like to learn more about the tread lightly principles and how you can help keep our trails, public lands open for off road use. Head over to treadlightly.org. Buzzkill. Hey, and if you want to follow me and my Jeep adventures, check out my blog at www.jeepmama.com. And of course, if you need a voice for your product or any kind of voiceover work at all, make sure you head over to thevoiceofjosh.com. Hey guys, it's been far too long since we've thanked you, our listeners, for taking time to download or stream our show. It feels funny to say this, but... Uh, Tammy, Josh, and myself are far from professional broadcasters. And the funny part is we kind of figured oh. you should know this <laughs> just from listening to the show. <laughs> We're just like you. Uh, we have, uh, a, <laughs> we have that same problem. It's Jeeps. <laughs> the, 
<laughs> a big Jeep Talk show. Thank you for listening. Thanks, so you, guys. You guys have a great Jeep week. See you later. Bye-bye. <laughs> See you on the trails. <laughs>